Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. We are here to provide hope, resources, and a community so no one feels alone in their grief. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. I am TJ Jackson, and with me is my eldest brother, Todd Jackson. What's up, T? What is going on, Mr. Jackson? Hello. How you doing? Good. Good. So, um, as you know, of course, Taj, and how most of our viewers and listeners know, we are live right now on Facebook and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also may be listening to us via the podcast. Yes, all of our shows are uploaded to the podcast universe where they're available on all the podcast platforms. So if you're listening to us right now via a podcast platform, we also want to thank you for listening. Um, We want to also remind whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or podcasts to make sure to follow us, subscribe to us, and again, leave a review because it helps others who may be looking for our type of content in this grief space. It may help them find it. So, um, Please, 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 that's the best way to show us support is to help others um, be able to find us. Now, we are not licensed therapists. We are just ordinary people who have experienced loss in our lives. We've been impacted by it, and we have learned from it. And what we like to do is share our opinions in an attempt, in an attempt to help you get through whatever it is you may be going through. Saying that if you need professional help, we urge you to seek it and to find it. Do not just rely on us. That is very important because neither one of us went to school for social, uh, or I should say, or any type of socialness, right, Taj? Or therapy or anything like that. So, Yeah, as an expert, yes. As an expert. But we've all obviously lived it. We've we've lost family members, um, and we've we've been doing the D.D. Jackson Foundation for quite some time. In fact, Taj, do you know what show number this is right now? One, no, one. Uh, is it one? No, it's something 75. Who wants to guess? Uh, let's do this real quick. Guess what show number after it. That's the all right. Go ahead and guess what you think the show number this is for the Power of Love show. Um, we'll take it, we'll take a second or so to guess, and then but before we reveal what the answer is, Taj, I want to know how your week has been Mm -hmm. and what you've been up to. Uh, both my daughters were sick during the oh. week. That was um, Taylor just went back to school, but in that time period as well, I guess we officially announced our third pregnancy. Yeah, so that was a big deal. Um, obviously, family and friends, close, really close friends, and knew ahead of time. Uh, we know the gender, but we're not saying it yet. So just TJ doesn't even know. And, and, yeah, I was about to say. And for those of you who are wondering. No one knows. And I respect that, Taja. I haven't tried to get any insider information. I'm going to wait like everyone else. Um, And I just want to know, just so you can clarify what the reason is why you haven't told. We do. We do gender reveals. Like um, I thought we send his friends and family, basically uh, clever ones, kind of little skits and stuff. And then we always end it the same way. And so for baby number three, we're doing the exact same thing. That's cool. And it's funny because Bubble says, team boy, congrats. Let's see. Did we? Did he flinch? No. He didn't flinch. Did I flinch? He didn't flinch. Did I, yeah. He didn't flinch. All right. So for me, uh, I, 
what was my week like? We had a crazy weekend with the kids for with sports tournaments. Um, I'm still maintaining my yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, my transformation is is still ongoing. It's just going at a slower pace, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've elongated. I don't even know if that's the right way to use the term, but I've pushed back my goal date uh, till mm-hmm. the end of August. So I, I'm just going to casually continue to try to be healthier. Yes. Now, with that said. I do want to highlight some some answers. We have 132 on here. We have a guess of 775. Oh, we is. have 408. Uh, we have 450. We have 275. We have 325. We have 125. We have 285. We have a lot of different guesses, obviously. So um, I guess it's time to reveal the answer so that we can get on with our show. Yes. Um, and we have a cool little graphic artwork All right. to celebrate. You ready? Tell I don't see these things because I would have known the answer. If I... But also, oh, you don't. You genuinely do not know the answer. I remember us discussing it early, but I forgot the number. Okay. Yeah. Well, Taj, the answer is two seventy-five. Yeah, so this is our two hundred and seventy-fifth episode, which is crazy. Um, that's a lot. And that's something that, um, we are very proud of at the DD Jackson foundation. We've learned a lot. We hope you've learned as well. Um, we've grown and it's, it's been a wonderful, uh, experience. So we want to thank each and every one of you for our continued support and yes, just, just, just awesome. So thank you. Yeah. Hopefully we get to another 275, um, another 275 on the way, which would be how many Taj? Um, two seventy five to five fifty. Good. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't fail. I thought for some reason you're gonna say five hundred, but it's good. I was. I was, I was like, that's not the right. <laughs> well, I, anyways, Taj. It's uh, again just a big thank you to all of you who are listening and watching. It means the world to us. Yes. So on today's episode, uh, we have a special special guest. Her name is Jade Adgate, and Jade is and has always been a caregiver a nurturer, a helper, and a wide-eyed companion to her elders, Mm. serving her own aging family members alongside her growing babies. Jade developed a reverence for the bookends of the human experience, birth and death. This perspective forms the stance Jade brings into the world, into the work she now does as a death midwife. The belief that sacred, holistic, and dignified death is a right every human being is entitled to. Jade has served as an active hospice volunteer since 2018 and as a death midwife since 2020. Farewell Fellowship was created in 2021 to expand the practice of contemplative death companionship to the wider Nashville community. An avid reader, Jade began the Farewell Library as a curated virtual home for her death and grief themed book reviews. The site of the virtual monthly death and grief book club and a death midwifery education platform. In 2023, Farewell Fellowship is expanded, expanding to include the fa- My dog is back there squeezing. <laughs> can you hear that? Yeah, we can. But- Sorry, guys. <laughs> In 2023, Farewell Fellowship is expanding to include the Farewell Apothecary. I'm Jade, you got to correct me. Correct. Uh, yeah. Get, yeah. Do you, so- you want to guess the word? No, not at all. A farewell apothecary, which will offer gifts and herbal support for people who are ill, dying, grieving, and, of course, their caregivers, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. You can find out more about Jade and her death midwifery work at www.farewellfellowship.com 
Um, or on IG as an Instagram, it is at the period farewell period library or on the death literacy platform Vival. Here today to discuss her work and share a bit about her personal story. Without further ado, everyone, please welcome to the Power of Love show, Jade Adgate. Hi, Jade. How are you? Hey, Jade. That was such a mouthful. Hi. Thank you for hey, all that. <laughs> Jade, it really was. And um, I'm notorious for making a couple of mistakes, and I still did, so I apologize. But what, am I saying that word incorrectly? Apothecary. One more time. Apothecary. It's a, okay. Apothecary would have been like an ancient pharmacy. So go like way mm. back in time. And then think okay. pharmacy. So you're picturing all those little like brown jars and like tincture bottles. And oh. so a modern apothecary is an herbal pharmacy. Nice. Cool. Okay, Very that's... cool. See, we learn. Make... Yeah, I, I'm always down <laughs> to learn. So thank you for that, Jade. So Jade, you are a natural caregiver slash nurturer. What inspired you to use this admirable quality to aid in end of life care as a hospice volunteer and death midwife, as opposed to say a teacher or birth midwife? I think that death calls us. I think that some of us naturally lean in to spaces that other people naturally step out of. Mm. And I'm one of those people that leans in to death and grief spaces. And I always have been. I think a part of it is that I'm from New Orleans. And so I was just raised in a city where we all lean into the death mm. culture, you know, from the mausoleums to the second lines to just mm. the fact that the city is sinking. Um, I've always been comfortable around death and grief. And when my own people started to go through their end of life processes, I saw that like all of my gifts kind of fit together in a way that made sense. So yes, I'm a caregiver, but also I'm really like pragmatic and practical. I have a really calm energy. I'm great at researching, like all of these things that never really made sense in any other vocation, super fit in tending to the dying and the grieving. Wow. I, I commend you. And, and um, on behalf of my bro and the foundation, we thank you for doing this important work. Um, I, I don't know many people who dive into this field. Um, it's a very difficult uh, topic for most of us to discuss. Um, my question, first question to you is, was it ever difficult for you to discuss death and um, the challenges that go along with that? And, and if not, if not, why do you think so? Because for so many of us, it's like, let's push it away. Let's push it to the side. Let's not think about it. I was surrounded by death from a young age. Um, my mother's mother died when she was three. So I had this grandmother only in spirit. Mm -hmm. And then I was surrounded by all of my elders who all began to die. I think when I was 16, like from 16 mm -hmm. to 26, I lost all of my grandparents and great grandparents and a few great aunts and uncles. And at that time I was in college or going into college and studying philosophy. And I got really interested in the philosophical aspects of death and dying mm. and grief and how we approach it culturally. So I think I always kind of took an analytical approach to these conversations, which helped me keep a safe distance. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm immune to the grief and I still have my own death anxiety that I have to work through. But I think that I just take a more philosophical approach 
Um, and I work through it. You know, it's, it is hard work. It's hard for all of us. And I think that there's this fear that if we talk about it, it's going to make us uncomfortable and we're going to get overwhelmed and we have to stop. But for me, I find it to kind of be the opposite. Like the more that I talk about it, um, the more I connect with other people and I just see how human it is to have these fears and how comforting it is to connect with others around them. And it helps me maybe be a little bit less uncomfortable the next time I have that conversation. Is there, I read in the, in your bio and, and said it that you're an avid reader. Is there a book in particular that, because I love to read too, is there a specific book that if someone is very fearful of death and all it has or all it brings that you, you would suggest us to read to try to change that, that mentality? It's so hard to recommend books because I, there's just so many. Um, there is a great book that's specific to death anxiety. It's by Dr. Irvin Yalom, and it's called Staring at the Sun. And he is a, do you know him? You, he's, a, he's a psychiatrist who works specifically with grief and death. Mm. He really focused his, I think he's like 80. So he focused like 40 years of practice on death yeah. anxiety. And that book is a, it's a pretty scientific undertaking, but he kind of, um, he bolsters it with stories of his clients, of his patients. Okay. And so it, it's kind of fun to read. But I think that no matter what you're reading, there's a way that you can increase your death literacy. So mm -hmm. the way that we encourage fluency in children, the way they have to start reading and practice reading in order to feel comfortable reading and writing, I think it's similar in conversations with death and grief. So no matter what it is that you like to read, whether it's mystery or romance or you know true crime, you can look at the way that death and grief are represented in the books that you already love and see how it lands for you. How are the characters talking about death and grief and how are the plots representing death and grief? And does that feel right? Does it make you uncomfortable and get curious about that? Mm. What, what is a death midwife? Well, you know what a death doula is, right? Yes, but you, yeah. I, I always like to be reminded. So, you okay. could... <laughs> so if you think about a birth doula and how they attend to the birthing mother and her caregivers, throughout the end of pregnancy, the actual birth experience, and then the postpartum experience, a death doula does the same thing, but at end of life. Mm -hmm. So I do everything in my practice from helping people plan. So when they receive a terminal diagnosis, maybe we want to look at their advanced directives or plan the way that they hope their disease will progress and they'll be cared for. I also do things like create memorials and legacy projects. Um, when we get closer to the active dying stage, sort of like when you would be transitioning into having the baby, mm -hmm. I offer 24 hour support to the caregiver so that I can be there in seven hour shifts so that the family feels supported and held with someone who kind of um, has a lot of experience in attending mm -hmm. these really tender settings. Um, and then I also offer support for home funeral guidance. So if the family wants to um, honor the death in their own home with their own hands, I provide a little guidance on that. And I offer bereavement support. So it's kind of a full spectrum death care practice. Wow. What, what would you say are the most challenging and rewarding aspects to doing this type of work? I mean, that's probably what you'd guess. I carry a lot of grief. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard work. And a lot of times when people, when I say that I'm a death midwife, they say something like, you must be an angel, you know, or that's so sweet, or that's really beautiful. And it is at least a part. But I almost think of us as like Valkyries, right? Like as something like stronger and like more 
steady than an angel, which I picture as kind of floaty and soft. I feel like a lot of times death is not easy, even when you're prepared for it, even when you are doing everything you can to lessen it or to lessen the, the severity of it. It's not easy and there are hard spaces to show up in. So I think the most challenging part of my work is probably just the grief that I carry. Um, I connect very deeply with my clients. I get to know them as if I'm a part of the family a lot of times. I don't have the same boundaries that, say, your hospice staff would have. I tend to be, I like to think of myself as a community member, like mm -hmm. as another person in your community who's there to support you and your caregivers. And so I always have at least one friend who's dying. And mm -hmm. that's really challenging. I carry a lot of grief. I tend a lot of grief. Um, but that's also like the flip side. That's the best mm -hmm. part of my work is that, you know, when you're, in spaces of death and grief, like you're not, you're not just keeping it light. You know, you're not passing the time in conversation. Like it is real talk. You know, you are like in the midst of existential truth and it's intense and it's intimate and it's full of integrity. And that really, it's super rewarding. So I feel like the grief, it has its cost, but mm. it's worth it. Yeah. And I, yeah. Cause I mean, when you're saying, saying that you're getting to know these people and you're befriending them and, and supporting them it must and you say that you carry on that grief as well mm -hmm. how do you ground yourself how do you reset yourself for the next endeavor in that way because that seems like a lot to hold hold on to so you must have a, a formula or, or a way to do it and that works for you now because that's a lot in in terms mm -hmm. of that it takes a special person to be able to do that. It is a lot. And I do have some practices. One thing I would say is that I keep my capacity more limited. So I only keep two dying clients at a time and I tend to only serve maybe four or five people a year. So mm -hmm. we're not talking like a, a, a huge number of people. And then I have some practices when someone that I love has died that really helped me. Um, one is that I actually have it. Can you see this? I, um, I keep, I go and I find a rock right after a death and then I write the person's name on the rock mm. and I put all the rocks on my little death work altar. And that's just kind of like a place for me to set it. And I check in with the altar and I kind of, um, go to the altar to both call me into the next place that I need to serve mm -hmm. and to honor what I learned from each experience. Uh, I check in with my grief a lot and yeah. I do all the stuff that you think, you know, like my yoga and my meditation and have a pretty rich prayer life. Um, it's a very, I feel like carrying this much grief requires me to take such good care of myself. I really yeah. spend a lot of time in self-care. And, and you had to probably, you had to find that boundary as well and that to know your capacity. Cause now you are like, okay, I take on this many clients a year and this and that, but you probably in the beginning were probably trying to do too much and, and realize that boundary. Is that, kind of the case or yeah and the use of the word boundary is like so perfect because I think boundary is really it's such a struggle and so like when I was doing my death doula training kind of the way the training programs are structured is they teach you as a death doula or death midwife to take a very professional approach to boundaries so to almost maintain a level of detachment because yeah. it would be too much to carry if you are attending you know 10 dying people a month and I don't practice like that. I don't maintain those boundaries as I yeah. probably was taught. Instead, I like to really connect. It's not unusual for me to get in the bed and cuddle someone if that's yeah. what they need to feel rest, right? Like 
I talk about my life. I, I talk about myself. I talk about my own grief. I really connect with people. And so mm -hmm. I can see why those boundaries are there for that detachment. And I step over them. I have to make sure that I, I'm doing that within the capacity that I have. And I take breaks too, because I've got three kids. I've got aging parents. My dad mm -hmm. has Parkinson's. So there are times that I can't show up for clients. And mm -hmm. when I'm in those seasons, I kind of double down on my hospice volunteerism where there are so many natural boundaries. You're a yeah. part of the team. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of eases me through those tougher spots. Got that makes sense. Wow. I commend you. I think, I think it's, it's just amazing. Really, it really, really is. Um, I have a question for you, Jade. What has working so closely with death taught you about life? I think that the thing I've learned is that there's no such thing as a good death. When I first started doing this work, I wanted to be able to help people have good deaths. That was really like what was behind my drive. And the more that I'm at the bedside, the more that I realized that as I step into that judgment around good and bad death, or right, or better, or best, and I put myself in that role of helping or fixing, that I'm denying the integrity of the person and their process, and I'm putting my judgment on it. So I try and be really conscientious of just showing up as a witness where I can offer support for whatever it is that they need, and I can affirm their dignity in whatever way is appropriate, but that it's not me here that's fixing this or helping this. It's not a goal of having a good death as it is in my mind, that death is going to do what death does. And we can witness it and support our community members as they go through it without trying to help or fix and without trying to make it something that we view as mm -hmm. being better. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, one more question for you. I'm sorry. My dog's excited. But um with your experience dealing with death, um, how has that affected your relationships in terms of, is there anything, even if it's a mental approach that you approach relationship with, or even parenting, do you, has it changed the way you parented at all? Um, I'm very curious to know with, with being such a, spending so much time around death, how it's affected your relationships for good, bad, any of that. Yeah. I feel like I could talk about the way that my death work impacts my parenting like all day <laughs> because it does. It, it really impacts it. Like in what way? I'm curious. Just give me a couple. I'm so curious. Well, what I was just saying about not wanting to help and fix, mm -hmm. right? Like that's a practice in my death care. And it's also a real practice in my parenting. My oldest is 13 and it is so tempting to want to like jump in there and yeah. fix all her problems and help her handle her issues and show her what's best. Right? <laughs> I have to constantly remind myself, like I'm on the bench with her. I can't be yeah. the ref out there. Right. I have to sit next to her on the bench. That's my job. I'm her witness. I'm her support. Mm -hmm. So there's like that on the kind of philosophical level, mm -hmm. but there's also just like um, the practical part of raising kids who are constantly thinking about like, mommy's not here because she's attending someone's death. Mommy can't come to my school play because she has a client that needs her. You know, mommy is tired and resting instead of, you know, spending time with me right now because she was up last night with a client. And my kids are very comfortable talking about death in a way that's a little bit, I think, unusual. Um, it's just a part of our daily dialogue. And what's really interesting is that I find that their friends 
are also really curious about death. And it's making me wonder if kids are so much more comfortable talking about death and grief than adults are. And I think we are hesitant to have these kind of honest and straightforward conversations with our kids because we don't want to scare or upset them. But I think that they can actually have those conversations with maybe less fear and anxiety. Mm. I find that like my kids' friends will ask me questions. So if they're over here playing and my, my kid says, you know, my mom's a death doula, and they'll be like, what is that? And then I explain it. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing these stories, right? Because mm. we've all been touched by death and grief. So yep. And the kids are here for it without all of the maybe stress that you would expect, which is really, yeah. really interesting. That's, that's, that's very interesting. Very fascinating. That's very fascinating. And I and I, I I'm not going to put you on the spot now, but if there's a movie or a book or a song or anything you really liked, I, I'm curious. No, you can think about it over the to, and and share with us the end. And when I at the end of the show, but. When I'm asking, I'm saying that helps people deal with death because that's something I think a lot of people have uh, don't even want to think about or touch. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be more helpful if they could do it in a healthier way. So if there's something you have in mind, I would love to know. So, but anyways, before we dive into the Farewell Library that you created and cultivated, tell us about Farewell Fellowship and how it came to be. Yeah, so Farewell Fellowship is kind of my loophole. <laughs> I, um, I was a hospice volunteer, as you mentioned, and I did my first death doula training because I wanted to be like the very best hospice volunteer that has ever been. Mm -hmm. And so I did Anelda, which is a training program designed by hospice volunteer coordinator. And so I learned how to be a death doula within the hospice setting. And I came home and I wanted to start volunteering again. I was so excited. And this was like the first week of February in 2020. Mm. And so the whole world shut down with COVID and yeah. volunteers were considered non-essential. And so I mm -hmm. lost access to all of these people that I had been volunteering with. And my service was not accessible to anyone. And I had all these new skills. And so I decided to start Farewell Fellowship in an attempt to bring the service of death midwifery and death doula work to my larger Nashville community without all the restrictions of volunteerism. Nice. Very cool. So we have the website, farewellfellowship.com. So if you're watching us on Facebook and YouTube, you can see it up on the screen. But if you are listening, it is farewellfellowship.com. That's F-A-R-E-W-E-L-L. F-E-L-L-O-W-S-H-I-P dot com. Now, I'm curious to know about Farewell, the Farewell Library. What is it exactly? What was your mission in creating this resource? And where can we go to see what you have cultivated for the grieving community? Okay, let me start with that so I don't forget. <laughs> the Farewell Library on Instagram, it's um, the handle is at the period farewell period library. It's also on Facebook, but very much reduced. <laughs> it's like what I remember to also cross post. And you can find it on the website. It's all in the blog, except for the reels, because the reels are specific to Instagram. Um, the Farewell Library started as a place to publish my death and grief book reviews. I love to read and I love to write. And so I wanted to review all these resources. And it kind of grew from there. It became the home of the virtual death and grief book club. And then it became the home of workshops for aspiring death doulas. Um, and then it became kind of a curated resource list for people who are looking for support in dying and grieving spaces. 
And the most recent kind of addition to the Fairwell Library has been interviews with some of the people that I work with. So there's um, two new interview, what'd you call that? Like threads? There's two different mm -hmm. people who talk about what it's like to be young and dying. Um, one person talks about his near-death experience. And I think that's been a really cool addition to just see people who are on hospice talking about what they're thinking and what it feels like. Hmm. Uh, I've asked this because, again, I'm an avid reader. Is there one book we should all have in our personal libraries for when we all inevitably have to experience grief? I can't give you one book. I can give you a couple of books. <laughs> sure. Give us a couple. However many. That's fine. I mean, it depends on what you like to read. Um, I have some favorites, though. I love Grief is Love by Marissa Renee Lee. I think it's excellent. It's an excellent book. Um, I love Black Widow by Leslie Streeter. I don't know if you've read that one. She's mm -mm. super funny. She's super, um, her husband died really unexpectedly, like suddenly. And she's in her forties. And so she's just like navigating that loss, but she's pretty tongue in cheek and irreverent, which makes it accessible to read. Hmm. Um, there's some great uh, poetry. Ocean Vong wrote a beautiful book about the loss of his mother called um, Time as a Mother. Um, my most popular book from book club last year, the one that people loved the most was called crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. And that's also, she lost her mother. Um, I think any one of these books and really any book that speaks to, to death and the experience, I love memoir for this, but speaks to the experience of losing someone that you love or watching the decline of someone that you love. I think that helps us start to digest mm. our own fears and our own worries um, our own hopes and our own uh, desire to maybe think about how we want that to look and bring some contemplativeness and curiosity to that, to that space. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. We always talk about how we always feel our society underserves grief and loss. And um, so whenever we have guests come on who, who lend themselves to the grief space, we are very much appreciative of it because of that, we feel like it's so underserved. So I agree with you, just exposing yourself to some literature and um, would be would, would, it would be very helpful. Um, now you offer services for the greater Nashville area, but you also offer services virtually, including a 30 minute virtual sessions called Pick Jade's Brain. I love it. Uh, tell us what someone could expect from scheduling a call with you. Well, after a few mishaps, I learned to put an intake form. So now when you book that, I know what to expect. I know what hat to be wearing because I do wear a few different hats. So if you are looking for support for yourself as you think about your end of life or maybe your loved one, I'd wear my death midwife hat. And then that call would be very calm. I would um, really be just trying to assess where you're at and what your needs are and where you're looking for support. A lot of those calls, though, are booked by people who want to become death doulas and are looking for some mentorship. And so that's a whole different hat. That's mm -hmm. more like, let's give you all the information and the resources because I love to share what I've learned. Um, and actually, that service was designed because some people want to um, consult with a death midwife, but maybe not hire me for the full spectrum of my services. And I want them to feel like they have a death doula on speed dial, right? So Maybe your mother is experiencing terminal agitation and she just cannot get comfortable and you feel like you've tried everything and you need someone to brainstorm with you. Then that would be like the perfect 
acute situation to bring to that 30 minute call. Um, or maybe, you know, you are just thinking about end of life planning and want to know about green burial options in your area, right? So then that would be another thing that we could just sit down and talk about just for that 30 minutes instead of doing a full package. That's great. And then how can people schedule that call? Is it just go to the website? Is that the best way? Yep. There's a very expensive and handy dandy scheduler there on the website. It cost me a lot of money to make it very easy. To use. <laughs> Fair, farewellfellowship.com though, correct? You got it. Okay. Yep. I want to make sure it's the right one. Okay, cool. Um, now what is next for Farewell Fellowship? Uh, where can we keep up with you and learn more? So that's the apothecary. My goal for 2023 is to build an apothecary that can offer herbal support for people who are ill, people who are dying, people who are grieving, and then the caregivers. So I'm working with all of my different herbs. I've been working on um, putting together some tea blends, doing some um, bath soaks, some bath salts, some nice creams and balms that we can use you know, to give massages. I have a friend who's done some really beautiful bereavement cards. So I'm hoping to have a physical um, support options so that if you want to buy a gift or offer a gift or buy something for yourself to just kind of ease that mm. and turn to our plant allies, because, you know, we have a long history of using plants for medicine and there's so many ways that we can support our nervous systems and our digestive systems and our circulatory mm. systems as we move into spaces that are really challenging, like spaces of death and grief. That's great. Are, are you, are you okay with um, taking a couple of questions? Oh, I would love to. I love to okay, do Q&As. Cool. <laughs> um, this is very cool. Okay, so Old Soul says, it's been a year and a half and I'm still grieving my mom's death. Is something wrong with me? Absolutely not. No, there is no right way to grieve. Cool. I really believe that. And I think that one of the most damaging things about the current grief landscape is that it's presented as if there's some paradigm to write. Oh. And I hate that because I feel like it's so unique and individual and however long it takes you and, and not to stop grieving. Cause I think I, I'm still grieving things that happened 20 years ago. I'm grieving generational things that didn't even happen to me. I'm grieving collective things and ancestral things. And you know, it's, this is a hard world to, yeah. to be in. And we carry a lot of grief as a part of it if we're awake and aware. Yeah. Miss mm -hmm. Silent Siren to answer that question says, "Old school that no, there's nothing wrong. Everyone grieves differently. Mine's been gone for 15 years, and I still miss her." Yeah. Um, and then I, I have a question for you, Jade. Um, what What would you say you, from your work as hospice and a death midwife, what was what would be that one thing you wish? everyone who is going into that kind of a situation. Um, if you have a loved one, uh, we've only dealt with hospice really one time where it was directly right. Taj with grandpa. That's the only time yeah. I can remember. But, yeah. That we've learned about the hospice that we've learned about it. So what far. would you, what would you advise someone or, or suggest or remind someone who's going in uh, as a family member of someone who's at the end of their life? Is there anything you would suggest for us who are, this is where this is all new and it's a new experience and we feel so under, uh, just so, like, so, so much is on our plate. Our minds are everything, are everywhere. What would you tell us who are just experiencing this new part of life? There is a, 
a blossoming movement of holistic death care workers that can offer so much support. And we are very experienced with dealing with hospice and understanding the way the system works. And we can help advocate for you. I think a lot of times people feel like whatever hospice they um, land on is, is like they feel lucky to be accepted because it's almost always paid for by the federal government. But that's not the case. You can shop your hospices. You can you have rights when you're dealing with hospice. Um, it's a very complicated issue, and and there are people out there who we're focusing our our attention and our research on understanding and we love to share these resources. So look out for your holistic death carers, your death does, your death companions, and your death midwives. We're out there, and we love to share this because it is really murky water. Um, separate from the hospice, just if you have a loved one that is moving into their last stage of living, um, I guess my best advice would be to try and stay present in the moment um, because, you know, it can be easy to get sucked up in the future or lost in the past and, and mm. staying really present is the best gift we can give our future selves. That's, that's great advice. So, um, and then we have a couple comments I want to share from Sarah says, mm, that resonates with me. I've experienced a lot of death losses in my life. Thanks for normalizing fascination to learning more about the fears, curiosity around this. Um, ben says, why is my seven month old niece and nephew interested in, in this live? They're smiling right now. I love that. Um, and Caitlin reminds us that Marissa was on the show for grief is love. So very, very cool. Trisha says Jade is so pleasant and knowledgeable, so calming. That's awesome. Um, okay, so I think we're we're almost there at the finish line. But Taj, before and Jade, before we, you know, I told you, I I I think I reminded you, or at least informed you, that we like to go to our guests for a final type of word. I want to make sure Taj doesn't have a question for Jade before we uh, get there. No question yet. No. Okay. No question yet. All right. So, Jay, no, it, it, it is that time where, you know, a minute or so, whatever you want to talk about, it could be less, it could be more. So I don't, I, I always get worried about saying a time limit because I don't want you to feel restricted, but it could be on topic, off topic. Um, it could be about your favorite thing to cook, your favorite thing to do for workout, uh, your favorite poem, your favorite Netflix show, doesn't matter. Uh, we would love to just hear anything you would give, share to our community. Okay. So I have one thing that's just been really um, bouncing around my mind since you said this. And it is a reel that I made recently with a dear friend of mine. So she's 43 and she is um, the mother of a young son and she is on hospice. And she used to be a teacher, and so she loves to teach. And so we've been kind of recording in 90-second clips some of the things that she would like to teach to the larger community. And one of her reels has gotten really popular on virtually. Um, but there's one that she made after that, which is really just, it's been sitting with me. And she says in this reel that if there's one thing that she wished people would know about supporting someone who's at the end of their life or someone who is ill, because she was chronically ill before this, she says she wishes people knew to just reach out. Mm. And she says it, it's so poignant because it's so simple, right? She says, 
There's nothing you can say that's the wrong thing. And there's nothing that you can do to make this worse. What's terrible about this is that it's isolating and it's lonely. And she says, so just reach out to your loved ones. If they're ill, if they're dying, if they're grieving, just reach out. And then the way she says it is um, time and love are all that matter. And that's just, it really resonates. So if anyone wants to see the reel of Rachel sharing those really beautiful words, it's at the Farewell Library. Um, and I think that if I could give one message to the people who are joining us today, it would just be, if you have someone that you know is in that isolation, just reach out. That's all we really have to do. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well said, Jaden. And the Farewell Library, the Instagram handle that we have on the screen, correct? You got it. Yep. That's awesome. it. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I, I greatly appreciate you on behalf of my elder brother Taj and our entire foundation. Um, we thank you for being with us on the power of love show. Um, you are always welcome. Um, I, we all admire what you do and who you are. Um, it's something I, I don't know if I could do. So I, I commend you at the highest level. Um, Taj, is there anything else you want to say? Am I missing something? I feel like I'm missing something. I don't think I you are not. missing anything, but um, no, I, I loved how you, what you ended with was just reach out because I know that's one of my problems, especially for someone that's either dying or ill and that will actually detach because I'm so, it, I take on that pain and that hurt and all that stuff, but I could only imagine how isolating that would be on the other side of that. So uh, thank you for saying that because it's a reminder. Mm. And like Miss Silent Siren says on topic, I'm so happy people are being more open with death in the discussion of it. It's very important. It's very, very important. Uh, Georgina adds grateful for you, Jade. You are very important in this world. Very cool. Yeah. Um, Thank you well, guys for having me so much. It was I really admire the work that you're doing. It's really beautiful work. You're making a big difference. And in you. preparation for today, I went back and I watched a few videos, and you you guys have done some incredible oh, interviews. And I was really hoping to hear both of you talk because you know I wanted to make sure I got to hear both perspectives and the. Oh. So I feel like it was, I was in for a treat today. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, we thank you, Jade. And, and again, we, we, we commend you and, and think nothing but the best of you. And we commend you for the work you do. It's not easy, yes. you know, so we thank you. And not just from us, but the entire community. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like it's one of those thankless jobs that people just ignore until they need it, you know, and um, just want to commend you. So thank you. Thank you. Um, all right, everyone. I, I assume that is it. Uh, it was a great show with Jade Adgate. We want to thank you guys for watching. We will be back next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Please be safe. Enjoy the rest of the week. And adios, everyone. Bye.